Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 159. This is the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, action, adventure, and me putting my feet up and yawning a lot. Lounging. It's a Tuesday where we're recording here at Marvel headquarters. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M in New York, and I'm joined by... Marvel.com editor Ben Morris. I am revved today, man. This is going to be a good episode. We got a lot of good comics. We got a reading club entry that kind of took me by surprise. I'll get to that later. Okay. Yeah, no, there, there was, there's, I got a lot, we got a ton of news. We got so much stuff. We're this, both here. This may be a 12 hour long episode. So uh, get your blankets. Uh, we'll make it work. Uh, we can, we can rubble through these. Uh, uh, of course, we have off microphone uh, this week for the first time in three weeks, intern Alex. Where were you the last couple of weeks? No, I'm saying this is the first time he's been off microphone. Oh, he's, oh. He's been I was like, you better be in. picking up the pieces, young man. He's been, fi- he's been filling in the last couple of weeks, but no. Now we're both back. We're hosting. We're good to go. Yep. Alex will just be quiet over there, talking, thinking people can hear him, even though there's no microphone near him. So I was in Hotlanta last week. Hotlanta. Where was I at before that? That you? you were, no, I was out right. before that. I because I was coming back from my various travails and I had yes. not had time to read the books yet. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Um, all right, we've got stuff. Yeah, we should dive we into should. this because we got a lot, guys. Yeah. We got Alex. Did you count how many comics we have yet? D- I'm pretty sure it's like four. Or no one can hear you. <laughs> oh my God, he's this He's guy. the worst. This like guy. The worst. <laughs> Uh, all right, yeah, let's dive right into new comics for the week, starting with all new Captain America number one. We got a lot of big releases this week. Yeah. So get ready for that. All new Cap, written by Rick Remender, art by Stuart Eminen with Wade Von Grawbadger, uh, Marte Gracia, and Eduardo Navarro. And I, there's just such a kick ass mm-hmm. team right there yeah, that right. they all deserve respect because this is a gorgeous freaking book. Yeah. Um, you got to take note that this is. Right in the thick of Axis. Yeah. Like, Axis is going on. The inversion has happened. No, it, I don't think so. No? Not in this one. Not in this one? Well, then, <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of Captain America and no, the Mighty Cap- Avengers. Captain Mighty Avengers is the thick of Axis. This is, this is kind of ill-defined. Right. As we like it. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, so this one ha- sees Sam Wilson as Captain America taking on, uh, you know, a bunch of no-good nicks. Hydra. We've got a, a, Hydra. Thank you. Yeah. Very much. What? Sorry. We've got. Uh, Are you building up to that? Yeah. Oh, uh, we've got. <laughs> let's, uh, let's start this over. Reroll it. Uh, a Hydra Enclave, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. uh, with Batrock the Leaper oh. in a brand new costume. So Stuart great. just designs this new look for him, which is sort of like, like monkish almost. Yes. Like he's, or, or he's just. He's, I don't know, because he's all parkour, right? Yeah. Like, he's just such a badass. So in here, he's wearing this brown suit, and he doesn't have, like, the yellow and the no, purple. I like he this looks so rock. awesome. He's got this red nose because he's probably been drinking a lot of wine. Yep, that's what uh, they do, the French. And there's just great fighting, like, Remender's Badass. got a great take on Batroc, too. Yeah. Like, I know the, the whole riddle for years was how do you make Batroc cool and still kind of retain the kind of goofier elements of him, and I think I think Rick hit it here. I hope what happens to Batroc in this issue <laughs> is not is a bit of a feint because it, I, it, yeah, has, it to has to be. He's too important a character to the Marvel Universe. <laughs> well, they also put all this work into, like, a new, new costume, new outlook. It's yeah. Cool. Uh, but Sam has infiltrated Hydra, uh, and he's not done it alone. He has some help. With a secret agent, the new Nomad, who I won't reveal too much, 
about his identity. I don't know how everyone knows. Uh, it does. Yeah, everyone knows. Okay, so it's Ian, <laughs> Ian Rogers, uh, Steve Rogers' son, is the new nomad, and they have a bit of a not just like a hey, let's go fight crime. No, you know, uh, chum. Not that kind of relationship. It's very testy. Uh, Ian's a little miffed that he's not wearing the Captain America suit, but they get the job done, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then we get to see last page, big reveal, some villains. Holy and crap. What's going what on last here? Page, right? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, jumping universes into all new Ultimates number 10. Written Do by it. Jump. Jump. We can't actually sing any songs. Um, <laughs> Written by Michelle Fief, Melkar Pena is back on art. Um, this is, I think we're, we're starting to wind down the Ultimates saga uh, of this team. It's kind of crazy. This team's been around for almost a year now, and uh, they're, they're established. New York knows who they are. In this issue, they have Taskmaster making the scene. We find out what happened to Cloak and Dagger last issue. We have all the Ultimates going about their lives. Uh, Bombshell kind of narrates the gig, trying to figure out if she wants to be a superhero or not. Spider-Man doing his hero thing, interacting with Diamondback, Kitty Pride and Black Widow with their new dynamic. But like I said, Taskmaster, Taskmaster, Taskmaster. And all the crazy new Ultimate characters that have been created in the 10 issues of this book, getting up to their own business and uh, kind of intersecting. Seems there is going to be some big collision between all these characters, all these threads that uh, Feet has been planting over the last year. I like the, the zombie cop. Who's oh, yeah, now he's a zombie great. vigilante. I'm going to yeah. call him Zombilante. Zombilante. Wow. Someone trademarked that. Yeah. Cha-ching. Someone trademarked that, but fast. All right. You were talking about Access a little bit earlier. Let's get right into it. Avengers and X-Men Access number five, written by Rick Remender, art by Terry Dodson, Rachel Dodson, uh, Laura Martin or Frank Martin? Let's find out. Laura Martin is on the colors. So that is the full creative team. Uh, again, Rick Remender or whoever's coming up with these, continue with the awesome story titles. This one, something clearly went wrong. Uh, everyone is back from the battle in Genosha. And I like this because it was almost like a kind of harkening back to Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War stuff, where they call everyone to Avengers Tower. They call the Avengers. Uh, there's this neat interaction between Nova and Spidey, who are kind of the, the central characters in this. They're kind of the ones we follow along. But... Uh, all the Avengers, every Avenger, all the Fantastic Four, everybody has been gathered by everyone who was at the Inversion who are now total jerks in the most entertaining of ways. Yeah, I like it. And, you know, this goes to someone was replying to something I posted on Twitter over the weekend about, uh, like, Iron Man mm -hmm. throughout all this. Yeah. And, like, I don't want to read an evil Iron Man. He's not. It's not that he's evil. Right. He's just a jerk, and his like a lot of his base tendencies yeah. have flipped. They've been inverted. Well, if I think you will. I think Sam Wilson's the perfect example because none of them are villains. They're just heroes who are convinced they have a better way of doing things. So in Sam's case, his inversion has brought forward his kind of almost like his control freak aspect, which makes sense given his background, given how he grew up. So he just wants to, he's basically like, I don't trust anybody but me to get this job done. Yeah. And like Luke Cage is, I want to be a hero, but I want to make some money off of it. I and can be your hero, baby. Oh my God. Uh, and like Medusa is like. I watched Hot Tub Time Machine this weekend. All right. Medusa is, uh, Medusa is just like suddenly all I care about is the Inhumans. All I care about is the Inhumans. And Scarlet Witch, I don't even know. But this group of like super powerful heroes gone, inverted, take out. Most of their fellow Avengers, but Nova and Spider-Man 
get away. Like, what, what, what? Cool little chase scene. Love Terry Dodd. I like, I love Terry Dodds and Scarlet Witch. He really yeah. brings her to life very nicely. Scarlet Witch may be the scariest of all the inverted heroes. No surprise there. Uh, Steve Rogers and Nomad, who, if you guys don't know, is Ian Rogers, Steve Rogers' son. Spoiler. Sorry to spoil that. Uh, with their new buddy, Magneto who is now on the side of Angels. They are kind of leading the resistance here. Spider-Man is just tremendous through this whole thing. Spider-Man is the perfect character for these big crossover events to be the narrator because he's just like, this is so ridiculous. What is even happening? I'm so in over my head. Oh, my God. And just kind of like, Remender just gives him great dialogue. But the uh, other two things that are going on is Clough. The Hulk's Hulk is rampaging through Arizona. We will get to more of that later. But then Apocalypse in his old school ship shows up. So this is Genesis has now become Apocalypse. I mean, that is what the inversion happened. Up. Big A buckle, everything, and he is leading the X Men. Uh, and, and I love it because yeah. the X Men are like, we got this guy. Yep. this guy's with us. Exactly. So We're rolling like deep. Inverted X Men who are just now like mutants, mutants, mutants. Yeah. Uh, we hate everyone. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna make things work. And Apocalypse leading them. It's X-Men against Avengers again, except the only Avenger is Captain America. And where we end up is, it seems like we're going to get more Avengers versus X-Men. Yeah. A lot uh, of crazy stuff, man. couple things. Uh, there's the mystery of where the hell is the Red Skull. Yeah, where is he? Uh, Where's he at? That's one. And two, I thought this was a nice um, flip for everyone who read House of M this week. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of, like... You know, the the magic hooey do yeah. going on and like all the gathering and like a lot of the Spider Man stuff, the reaction. That, that did. There was a lot of me. stuff in there that I, as I was reading both of them, I was like, ah, this is great. It really kind of worked. Spider Man being a central character, Scarlet Witch being scary as all get yeah. out, like everyone's attitude changed. A lot of stuff centering around mutants and yep. that stuff. Yeah, there was definitely some heavy themes reflected throughout. Heavy themes. All right, over to Axis Hobgoblin. Number two, written by Kevin Shinnick, art by our boy Javier Rodriguez, uh, Alvaro Lopez, and Munza Vicente. Uh, and so this is just, you know, Hobgoblin has been uh, inverted, and he's, you know, using his business of uh, franchising super characters. Uh, he's turning into, you know, trying to make uh, a franchise of superheroes uh, a bit. Uh, and in doing so, he's pissed off a bunch of people. He's pissed off the Goblin King, who is here. Uh, and there's some just great dialogue between the two of them, a fun fight. Uh, just this this book is really funny. Uh, Roderick Kingsley as Hobgoblin is just, he's constantly shilling. He's constantly moving and shaking and doing his thing. There's a shucking bunch of shucking and jiving. There's a bunch of these one page uh, not advertisements oh, yeah. uh, for, <laughs> for Hobgoblin products, which is just hilarious. Really, really fun stuff. And then we get to see there's a couple other characters here. There's the introduction of who's this guy? Bullet Bullet Dave? Bullet Man? Missile Missile Man. Missile Missile, missile Mate. Missile Mate. Missile Mate. Uh, plus my favorite new character, Leather Boy. Oh, the new Leather Boy. Is there an old Leather Boy? Apparently. I have not hold of the old Leather Boy, but the fact that Hobgoblin makes a point of saying he's the new Leather Boy Someone stuck with me. Because I tweeted about this. Someone wrote to me that they mentioned the Great Lakes Avengers, so maybe he was oh, yeah. like. Maybe uh, there was a reserve. I think there was. Yeah, there was a leather boy in the Great Lakes Avengers. I love it. I would. I think I would have liked it even more, perhaps, if there wasn't a previous leather right, boy. Right, and it was just. But they like, made a point of saying he's the new leather boy. Nonetheless, yeah, I want more leather boy all the time. He's great. His yeah. offensive capabilities are second to none. Yeah, 
terrific. Uh, so many fun things. Yeah. I love ball gags. Yeah, guys. you know, ball uh, gags. So then, you know, we get to uh, really what Hobgoblin is doing is pissing a lot of people off. And the last page, we get to see uh, a bigger swath of who exactly he's pissed off. And it's oh, it's awesome. gonna be good. This book's getting so good. Yeah. I love it. It's only three issues, though, right? I know. Yeah, I ongoing. You did that. I didn't. Uh, Bucky nothing. Barnes, Winter Soldier, number two. Uh, written by Al Shkod, with art by Marco Rudy. And uh, this is just bananas crazy. Uh, it's Bucky going to Asgardia, um, going after Loki. Yep. Really? And then it's just head trippy and super cool, super weird. We've got the frozen wolves of Niflheim. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got Bucky versus a frost giant, which is gorgeous. I don't think there's anything Marco Rudy can draw that won't excite me. I know. I'm just like, this is amazing. And Alish is just... He's coming up with some really cool stuff. In the middle of the fight, yeah. uh, Loki's like, the giant has transformed into space bees. Yeah. And flew away. Space bees, guys! Mm -hmm. uh, then you got this mystery of what's going on on the ship with uh, Bucky's partner, Daisy. Because yeah. I'm not going to spoil it, but Can't. then you're just like, what? And then it, all kinds of crazy stuff. It's gorgeous. It's really weird. Probably read it twice. Uh, but Read it once just to look at, and then once to like yeah. follow the story. And then... And then mm. I didn't even know what happened here, but I really loved it. Oh yeah, I was I was thinking the of Guardians you. of Lower Asgard, Kyle and Steve, are my puppies. other favorite characters yeah. ever. Well, I feel like now that we lost one of the new warriors, talking animals, these are. This I don't nice even know if they talk, but look at them. They're Doesn't so freaking cute. But they're a nice replacement for for which one died? Which one died? Was it Mr. Whiskers? Mr. Whiskers or Jake Waffles? Mr. Jake Waffles is still with us. Jake Waffles is with us, but he for is now. I think in peril. Yeah, he's he's in mourning. All right. Uh, but yeah, Bucky, great, great, great stuff. So, what you were alluding to earlier, Captain America and the Mighty Avengers, number one, written by Al Ewing, art by Luke Ross. This is where we really get a spotlight on inverted Sam Wilson. He's narrating the book. He is enforcing his own type of crime fighting. Uh, we get the public's reaction to him. This really is like a, kind of a second Captain America book. We also get some Mighty Avengers goodness with the promise of more to come. So... We have a lot of Sam Wilson kind of like, you know, this is why this is why I am who I am while I'm inverted. Meanwhile, and, you know, just like taking on an aggressive stance on crime, fights the plunderer in this issue, who has also been inverted. And I like the explanation for why he oh, has man, been inverted. Oh, man, that was so good. Because obviously he was not in the big battle, but him and his men are also inverted, and that is great. Yeah. Parallel to this, you have, we don't get really to get to see much of the Mighty Avengers in this issue. They're just kind of in the background, but... We do get Luke Cage, who has also been inverted. And, wow, a great, another great week for Spider-Man dialogue because we just have a rambling Spider-Man page of him explaining uh, why he didn't do the stuff in the earlier issues of Mighty Avengers. And then Luke just being like, yeah, I know you didn't do that stuff. I don't care. I still hate you. Like, it was still your fault. Like, Doc Ock was your fault, which is fair. He's yeah. like, you know, you can't just go around saying – I was possessed by one of my villains, so, you know, don't hold me responsible for anything. He's like, no, nah, man, you let that happen. That Jerk. happened. That happened because of you. So we get some Spider-Man stuff. We get to see Luke uh, and what his plans are for the new Mighty Avengers. And then we get a little Iron Man, too. So we get uh, kind of, like I said, this is, this is really a lot of Cap stuff, some Luke stuff, a little bit of Spidey stuff. Next issue, hopefully, we'll get right back into the full Mighty Avengers roster because they have a serious threat coming their way. They sure do. Okay, Captain Marvel number nine. Oh, boy. Right from the cover, just a special kind of issue. Now, what is this an homage to? So I don't screw it up. Really? 
It's it's David Bowie, right? Yes. Right, I'm just treading lightly. I was a little nervous there. I don't want to say the wrong thing and they'd be mocked. So all right, we got this great David Bowie album cover homage on the front. The issue is by Kelly Sue DeConnick, written, and then the art is by David Lopez, and it is a delight. Uh, the title of the story is Lila Cheney's Fantabulous Technicolor Rock Opera. And we knew Lila Cheney was coming. Uh, we knew she was going to guest star. Lila Cheney, of course, is the mutant teleporter interstellar rock star. So we find out that... Um, At one time, what? love of... Cannonball. Yep. Yeah, Cannonball. But Tick's a fan of hers. Carol, Everyone's a fan Carol of Lila Cheney. Is, Carol will not admit it, but she's a huge <laughs> fan. They summon her, basically. She shows up, and she just hangs out with them for a bit, and then she goes, yes, I got to go to this planet where, when I was a kid, I kind of got, like, put into an arranged marriage with this prince, and I got to go see if I can talk my way out of it, and... They go down to try to help. And, like, this is just, this is, like, par for the course when yeah. you're dealing with Lila Cheney. Yeah, this is typical Lila, typical Lila Cheney stuff. But about five ish, five pages in, they get to this planet, and that's when it really begins, because then we find out everyone can only speak and rhyme on this planet. <laughs> so that means Kelly Sue, for the rest of the issue, is writing all dialogue, not just, like, the native people on this planet, but Captain Marvel, Lila, take, everyone's talking in rhyme. We've got... Captain Marvel trying to intercede on this arranged marriage. The prince turns out to be this hunky dude. And then there's another girl who wants to marry him. And there's all this moral and character stuff because if he doesn't get married, he can't be the king. But he doesn't want to be in an arranged marriage. He just wants to do his own thing. But Lila Cheney doesn't really want to get married. This other girl doesn't want to get married. So there's got all this craziness going on. And then there's a fight. And it's like a rock opera fight. <laughs> it's Captain Marvel against this other girl who wants to marry and Lopez just murdering it all across, whether it's the <laughs> all these crazy action lines during the fight. There was a panel earlier, this one, where... Oh, uh, where they're just, like, they're just fangirling out. Yeah, just, oh. just Captain Marvel, like, she had been like, yeah, I'm not a big Lila Cheney fan, and then, like, just goes crazy for it. Yeah. And then, oh, the way it all gets resolved, and I'm just, I'm just blown away by Kelly Sue just... Just writing this issue in rhyme was enough to impress me. But then the cool story that comes with it, the fun moments, the neat character stuff, the clever way it all gets wrapped up, and then on top of that, the art. I was just, I wasn't, I didn't just love this issue. I was impressed by this issue. Like it was just, it was something. It was a happening. It's a happening. Really good. I, what was I watching? I was watching SummerSlam. 89, I think. I was just thinking about SummerSlam 89 for some reason. Uh, and Gorilla says it's a happening in yeah. some way, or sh way, shape, or form. Of course. Maybe eight times in the first half hour. It's incredible. That's one he of the, says it twice in one sentence. It's one of those SummerSlams that was almost like a house show that they just put on <laughs> pay-per-view. Because it's like the main event is a thing, but and like maybe the title matches, but everything else is just like, oh yeah, these are just the matches we would probably run on the house shows. I, I remember those early SummerSlams would be like... Jake Roberts is feuding with Rick Rude, but he's not going to fight him at SummerSlam. They're just going to interfere in each other's matches, and then you have to like go to live events to see that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, over to <laughs> maybe it was SummerSlam '88. Whatever. Regardless. Death of Wolverine, Logan Legacy number four. This is written by Marguerite Bennett, art uh, by our friend Juan Doe. Very, very exciting to see him very talented doing work. Uh, it's a gorgeous, you know, issue as always, and Juan is. Bananas with like drawing all the tattoos on these Yakuza dudes and doing all this cool stylistic stuff that he does so well. Mm. Uh, and so it, it revolves around uh, Lady Deathstrike, 
uh, as she is dealing with, you know, as, as all these characters are dealing with the death of Wolverine. It's right there um, in the title. That's right. It's right mm-hmm. in there. It's uh, the Logan legacy. Yep. And uh, she's, she's going to these Yakuza no good nicks. She wants, she, she needs to take over. She needs to right some wrongs. She needs to do some things. But really, it all comes down to um, what her path is. And uh, Wolverine died when Lady Deathstrike was in debt mm-hmm. to Wolverine. He basically saved her life, yep. more or less. And uh, so she is taking it upon herself to uh, step in for him, do the things he would have done, but do them in her way uh, and and really become a force to reckon with in Japan, which I think is going to be pretty awesome. That is pretty it's cool. a great you know, path for that character. Also worth noting, I think a lot of, I think we even, when she showed up in Death of Wolverine and she kind of looked normal again and all this other stuff, we were like, well, what happened to her old X-Men storyline? They get into that here. Mm. They explain where she went. They reference it. They explain, you know, all the Anna Cortez stuff is yeah. part of this. Yes. All right. Uh, George A. Romero's Empire of the Dead, Act 2, number 3. Uh, there's a lot of big movement going on in here for the vampires, for the zombies, you start to see more of uh, how the zombies are sort of, ev- I don't know if evolving is the right way to describe it, but changing and uh, how they're reacting to different things. We get introduced to uh, a nosy detective who uh, is just, you know. I don't see good things in his future. Nope. Uh, you know, Boy, howdy. Take your press badge and take a hike, guy. Uh, I like how you're cradling the microphone. I'm like, yeah, this is going to fall apart at any second. Yeah. Uh, but uh, big, uh, there's a character who dies in here, which I wasn't expecting that to happen, and yeah. then some some creepiness going on right at the end. All sorts of stuff, man. Guardians three thousand number two. What a cool book! Uh, I didn't know what to expect from Guardians three thousand. I had just read the Jim Valentino stuff, so I was, so was kind of psyched for it. But this this book kind of came out of nowhere. It basically got greenlit because a backup story proved popular, so you never know what you're going to get. But Dan Abnett and Gerardo Sandoval really turned on this issue. This, to me, was an issue just to show you how cool these characters are. Uh, Vance Astro, Starhawk, Yondu, Martin X, Charlie 27, and the new character, Gina, Gina Drake. So basically, they reset from last issue where everyone got killed. Uh, The entire cast of the book got killed in the first issue by the Badoon, but time slipped back. Gina's the only one aware of it, so she guides the Guardians to victory though not without costs but the cool thing for me is we really get to see them all use their powers we get to see their personalities if you didn't know them now you kind of do i like that gina has a crush on martin x because he's like the weirdest one on the team to me (laughs) so i think that's fun um but yeah man they all just we get double page spreads of all of them using their powers we get to see some of the cool guest stars like old man gladiator and old man star lord and other old men old man old man just, just old man old man and uh, even Starhawk doesn't know what's going on. Doesn't know why uh, she keeps flipping between being a man and a woman. But the best part, she's like, oh, yeah. I've always been a woman. I've checked my genitalia. Yeah, no. <laughs> Abnet brings the funny in this, man. Yeah. Like, Abnet really, he, he, he doesn't make it a full-out comedy book, but nice little bits of dry humor throughout. Um, and at the end... A villain characters from the 90s uh, Guardians show up. So I'm really, I, I like this book. I like this book a lot. Yeah. I'll make a bold stand. Yeah. All right, over to Hawkeye versus Deadpool number two, which is the third issue in this series because, you know, yeah. Marvel. And uh, it's written by Jerry Duggan, art by Matteo Loli and Jacopo Camigni. Uh, and it's two Hawkeyes and a Deadpool yep. facing off against Black Cat and a bunch of other characters, Typhoid Mary and then. Another guy, 
trying to solve a mystery. There's there's lots of funny bits. Uh, I like the stuff between Deadpool and Typhoid Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the when they go to hang out with Deadpool, uh, the two Hawkeyes. Oh, yeah, the video game stuff. The what? Oh, yeah. They play video there's games. There's video games, but there's also uh, Benjamin oh, Franklin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes to Benjamin Franklin, uh, like, winking at yep. Kate Bishop. Oh, so creepy. Uh, and then there's... How old is she? Yes. She's she's old enough. But mm, no, I'm not old, touching this. She's one. old enough that we can publish this comic. I guess. Not old enough for creepy old Ben Franklin ghost to be winking at her. That is my point. Okay. All right. Just keeping it legal, guys. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, if you you're following, there's like these these crazy, beefed up, sort of one track minded yeah. versions of uh, hero characters who aren't really the hero characters yeah. but something seems to have happened to one of our main characters in this by the end and uh, you know there's blood you so talked about the, the Deadpool Typhoid Mary of it all I did I, love that. I was right here I know I sitting was getting, right across from I you. was prepping to talk right about, across from I you. was prepping to talk about Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble season 2 number 1 which adapts the first episode from season two of Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble. Oh, the robot. Yeah, The Arsenal. The Arsenal, written by Kevin Burke and Chris Doc Wyatt, but adapted by our boy Joe Caramagna. Yeah, we pick up where we left off. Red Skull's going crazy. Thanos is in the air. And, uh, yeah, all the stuff you love from the animated series right here in print. Miles Morales, The Ultimate Spider-Man, number seven, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by David Marquez. I was having a conversation with our friend Mark Strom earlier this week about how crazy it is the huge things that are going on in this book that are just kind of flying under the radar. Um, Yeah, Miles Morales has a kick-ass fight with the Green Goblin here, but besides that, Peter Parker is just like, he's just a part of this book again now, and we still don't know really what's going on with him. But him and Miles just have this awesome brawl with Green Goblin, which David Marquez just draws incredibly. And then in addition to all this, we get a huge secret about Kate Bishop, um, Ultimate Kate Bishop, uh, just kind of a just matter-of-fact reveal, which is huge. And we find out what's next for Peter, what's next for Mary Jane. So two different things. And then, uh, and then after all that, another big last page reveal. So just... I don't know, man. It's it's hard to talk around all this stuff. Like crazy stuff <laughs> happening on like every page of this, and I just yeah. feel like how is how are more people not freaking out about this? I know. So it's so good. It's pretty wild. Yeah. All right. On to Nightcrawler number eight, written by Chris Claremont, art by Todd Knock and Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, this is you know still reeling from the the death of Wolverine. Nightcrawler is like, all right, we gotta we gotta move forward. We gotta you know. Keep living. We got to teach these students. We got to do yep. our thing. L I B I N. L I B I N. Living. Oh, Keep I was like L I B I N. What does that stand for? Living. Living. Um, we get uh, Nightcrawler gets pulled. He and a couple Bams get pulled to a deserty type area by Bloody yeah. Bess. Yeah. Uh, one of the Crimson Pirates. Yeah. She's uh, she's been betrayed by her fellow Crimson Pirates, who they are under mind control. And we get to see the who's controlling them. Yeah. And it's an awesome moment for X Men fans. That was like when I first read my first X-Men comics, this was the villain. Uh, so he, he always, was terrifying. Yeah, he always kind of Yeah, when he shows up, I'm always like, oh, oh this is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Bad, His bad, bad. episode of X-Men the Animated Series may be one of the freakiest ones to me. Sinister was really scary on that series, but this guy creeped. Yeah. Uh, so I don't want to spoil too much, but yeah, read it and uh, there's more 
infectiousness with that character and that you see. How that? many like issues are we into that now? Eight. Nine. Has Todd missed an issue yet? Eight. Nine? Eight. Is it? Maybe it was nine. Maybe I got it wrong. Eight. Eight. Uh, Todd Nock is not missing an issue yet. No. And I wager he will not. He won't. Ever. Never. All right. On to Nova number 23. This is another Axis tie-in. Yep. Fleshes uh, out some of the stuff I was talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so in the Axis main book, we see that Kla goes uh, on a rampage. He's in Arizona. Who lives in Arizona? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Nova and his family. And uh, we get to pick up a little bit Nova being with Spidey and Captain America in New York. And he's like, oh, crap, I got to go. I got to help my family. And then yep. uh, it's great. He he gets his mom and his sister out of Arizona. That was a cute moment. Yeah, really that. cute moment. Very sweet. Uh, and there's like some, that's how I feel like it would happen in real life. Yeah, there's some really great stuff. And then he goes... Friggin' Sam is got the heart of ten lions. <laughs> he goes to fight the Hulk's Hulk, and he doesn't back down. It's great. He, you know, he does a, a really great move to take him down. Oh yeah, but you no know, follow up. Yeah, that's uh, didn't really have a plan after that. Yeah, and then uh, the last bit where you see what's going on with him at after in like the aftermath of it all. Terrible. Oof, that's, Crazy. Scary. I forgot to mention during my Axis uh, review, I don't know, talk, um, that Remender totally, number one, gives Rich Rider some love, but then makes the joke about Rich Rider's name that I've, we all make. Yeah. But I've never seen it actually made in a comic book before, so that, that deserves some kudos. Kudos. I guess. Rich Rider forever, bro. Uh, Savage Hulk number six, final issue of this series, um, although it will be transitioning into Thanos versus Hulk. Um, but we get a nice uh, nice finale here from Gabriel Hardman and Corinna Becco writing together with Gabe on art. Beautiful, beautiful art. Nice twist. Um, it's Doctor Strange, Hulk, not so much team up as, I don't know, team, team fight. Uh, but it's set on this road, this world within the crossroads where there's kind of a mystery to what is going on. Why do they think the Hulk might be eating people? How is the Hulk able to be on a planet where he threatens sentient life because that was against the spell Strange cast, the loophole as to why. It's kind of cool. It's a very smart story. I love this story. Yeah. It was so good. Two very smart writers, and I like their, their writer bio pictures they did too. Ah, they're just so good. I want them to do more work for us. But, yeah. Uh, Hulk fights Strange, Hulk fights the people of this planet, Strange fights the people of this planet, and it's kind of a mystery that unfolds, and as it does, you're like, oh man, that's really, that's really, I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, we find out why this world is the way it is, Hulk gets kind of a sad ending, even though we know that it ends up being okay. But then the, like, there's that one creature is yeah. like, welcome back, friend. It's the Puffball Collective, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really excited. I want a book about the Puffball Collective. The puff ball, well, it's, yeah, the Hulk they're was about the Puffball Collective for you. They're for super months. fun and super nice. They're super fun. And then Doctor Strange and the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, they get a fun ending, too. And, uh, yeah, just a really good standalone issue. These, these two issues were really good. I recommend tracking them down. Savage Hulk number five and Savage Hulk number six. Yes. All right. On to She-Hulk. Number 10, <laughs> written by Charles All Soule, Hulks. and uh, art by Javier Polito and Munza Vicente. <laughs> uh, we get to see the, uh, really, what the hell uh, <laughs> Steve Rogers has been thinking, and why he's been doing what he's doing. So he, he asked Matt Murdock to, to be the uh, attorney uh, against him. He asked Jen uh, Walters to be the attorney for him in this uh, sort of... Unbelievable. Yeah. 
Watch it. Sorry, uh, everybody. Alex just dropped his pen. In this case that is 70 years on, uh, and we get to see, you know, how uh, Steve was involved with all this, how it fits into Steve's history and his origin, some really great moments up in here, uh, and lots of lawyering going on, lots of talking and lots of figuring things out. It's really cool. It's uh, a great mix of uh, period drama and courtroom drama, and there's this great uh, panel uh, that Javier draws, mm. uh, which is uh, like there's a video game reference here. If you get it, um, you neither of you get it. Uh, I can't. I let me see the panel. This one. Is that what is it? Uh, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. I don't know what that is. Okay, great. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so we got that in there. Uh, we got lots of fun Hellcat. Um, I like there. There's. I'm not going to say it. Okay. Uh, but really cool stuff. I love the way it ends. And then we go, boom, right at the end into uh, a new case yeah. or a return of an old case. Final for case. For She-Hulk. This is it. This is the final case of this volume of She-Hulk. Mm. It's going to be sad to see it go. Mm. Uh, but something that's not going right now is Silver Surfer, issue number seven, written by Dan Slott, art by Michael Allred, colors by Laura Allred. Uh, another, like, this, this this was a smart way to do something. Okay, so, so Dawn and Surfer have only had so many adventures, but there's been a lot that we haven't seen because they're in space all the time. So Dan Slott and Mike Allred and the whole team have them journeying to the very, very edge of the universe to a place Silver Surfer has never been before. Beyond the stars, they go into darkness, and Dawn gets captured. So then... The bulk of the issue is Surfer flashing back to all the adventures they've had over the past few months. And there's all this great stuff. There's one where there's these crazy ladybugs trying to get them. And Silver Surfer takes away Dawn's spots on her outfit because that was what was attracting them. And she freaks out because she's always had them. There's a kind of cool story behind it. So then we see how everywhere they go, she always has spots on all her outfits. And then there's a lot of great stuff with the board with Toomey, like character development for him. And we really get to see, like, the relationship between these three characters, because these three characters build. So even though it's only been seven issues, it feels like they've been together a lot longer, and we've been a part of that, and all these wacky things. So it's basically a series of, like, two-page stories. Um, and we almost and, and, and with each of them, we learn a new layer about what's been going on. Ultimately, uh, Silver Surfer does save Dawn, and we... I'm just, I'm just in love with this, this duo. I love the end... They get a new level to their relationship. Just a fun, <clears throat> just intelligent, great-looking book. Yeah. What else can I say? I, I don't know. I don't know. I said it all. All right. We got Spider-Verse number one. It's uh, six stories. Six. Count them six stories up in here. What? I, the there's there's a there's one story in here that I love. Oh, all wait, the we're gonna get to it. We're there's one above it. all others. Oh yeah. It's Agreed. Amazing. Agreed. Uh, so six stories. Actually, two. Yeah. Keep going. I, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, the first one, uh, the first major story in here is uh, written by Scotty Young, art by Jake Parker, and it's, um, you know, uh, it, it's about the Spider-Clan, uh, uh, you know, like this, you know, manga, is it manga Spider-Man? Yeah. 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 Manga Spider-Man, he goes to fight Venom, so it's set in this universe that we've already established. We get to see the how... Mangaverse. <laughs> The Mangaverse, how uh, that gets pulled into Spider-Verse. Really, really cool stuff there. Mm -hmm. We get Steampunk Lady Spider. Which is what? By Robbie Thompson and Dennis Medry. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's really cool. It's this 
you know, uh, it's set in 1895, and it's all steampunky, and I love it. We got this, you know, this cool take on the Sinister Six, yeah. on, uh, you know, the the spider totem in this world. This really is like a snapshot of Spider-Verse in that we get, like, you get callbacks to all these old favorites we haven't seen in years, like Spider-Clan. You yeah. get completely new things like uh, Steampunk Lady Spider, and then we get the other stuff. Well, that yeah, about. yeah. Uh, there's also the the first thing is sort of an enter the Spider Verse story. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's, uh, we count that as one of our six. Uh, then we get Penelope Parker, mm-hmm. uh, written and drawn by Katie Cook, which yeah, is always is awesome. Adorable, super cute. It's you know like a, just a, a different take, very all ages. I think this would be terrific as a cartoon or mm-hmm. as you know an, an ongoing story. I love it. We've got you know uh, the teacher is Mrs. Craven. Oh, uh, I love her design, man. Yeah, she's so good. Uh, Katie nails it here. It's really funny. Uh, it's really sweet. Uh, I, I'm kind of terrified for this character to get involved in Spider Verse. I mean, is she's, she necessarily going to? Though? I don't know. She's 11. Like, yeah. I don't want her involved. In I feel like some of these are. Ju- I feel like, yeah, I feel like some of these are just one-offs. Okay, right? I so hope so because it, it made me nervous. Anyway, yeah. so those are for number five Ugh. is Spider-Man in Late for a Date oh by Dan Slott and Ty Templeton oh my and, God. and Chris Sotomayor, and so it's essentially. Uh, Back in the day, in the 70s and 80s, in the comics, we would have these ads for fruit pies. Yes. You know, these little snacks. And they were the ads were done as a comic, like a, a page of a comic. Uh, they were told a little story, and it always had the hero saving the day mm-hmm. by using fruit pies. And it yep. would, you know, like they would throw the fruit pies, and then the, the villain would be like, oh, this is great. I don't yeah. want to do this. Uh, but so Spider-Man is here, and he takes the fruit pies and throws them at Moreland. And it's just, it's hilarious. It goes exactly how you think it would go. Yep. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, so good. So perfect. Yeah. And then, pro- possibly the greatest story in all of Spider-Verse. <laughs> it's, uh... Well, it just spoke to, it spoke to us, because we've experienced exactly what Moreland is going through here. Yep. Uh, so, <clears throat> all right. We, Spider-Man has been in the comic, the newspaper strips for years, for 50 years, something like that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for a very long time. (laughs) And, you know, this is Spider-Verse. Every Spider-Man ever. And Moreland makes his way to this universe. But, uh, you know, I think Dan Slott and Tom Grummet and and, uh, Tom Palmer, I think, uh, have a a lot of fun with it here because in the newspaper strips, it was, you know, like one day you would get two or three panels and it would be... (laughs) They would have to get a whole bunch of exposition in right away and, they would, and move the yeah. story a centimeter. They would always recap what happened the previous day, but then it's like, as 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 you experience here, it basically becomes like recaps of recaps. Like yeah. it just, as a kid, of course I wanted to read the Spider-Man comic strip because it's the superhero comic strip, but it just got agonizing the, because it's like, oh, when is something going to happen? Moreland's like, why do you keep repeating yourself? Yeah. Are you brain damaged? Yeah. Is there no short-term memory in this dimension? It's amazing. Uh, it's really terrific. And I love the way it is. The It's two pages long. Yeah. Their ending of the story made me so happy. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I... I was really, really happy about how that happened. But also, maybe a question like, why Why can't you just do that? Yeah, why a them? A lot more. Yeah, why them? Yeah. And why that particular They're one? They're so innocent. Yeah. Superior Iron Man number one, another big debut this week. And I really enjoyed this, uh, this issue. I think I'm going to enjoy this series a lot. It's uh, by two kind of new-to-Marvel creators, Tom Taylor and Yildere Sinar. It's a great name. Yeah. Uh, this 
kind of it, it seems like it takes place post Axis. They kind of allude to that that post Axis Tony Stark is still inverted. Um, he has relocated to San Francisco where he's selling Extremis 3.0. Um, this basically this version of Extremis that just makes you makes you your complete self, like physically makes you better looking, makes you a little smarter, does this, does that. So most people in San Francisco are happy that they're getting this. And Tony, inverted Tony is just kind of like, you know, I'm doing something good. I'm making some money for me. Everything's great. Uh, he teams up with She-Hulk to fight Teen Abomination, who is a great character. Um, and just we get to see kind of new Tony in his element here. That this, this Tony, who's, you know, back to being kind of a jerk, is just kind of like, ah, this isn't worth my time. Makes fun of him. He's back at a party. Uh, he's he's annoying Pepper, right? Like he should be. Of course, there is another heroic character in San Francisco, that being Daredevil, and he is investigating what's going on with this Extremis because not everything is as it's cracked up to be. And what happens with Extremis at the end of the book is horrible. Yeah. But totally in line with Tony's way of thinking. Um, and then we see that <clears throat> Pepper is making contingency plans with the last person you would expect. Um, so next issue, we're going to get Daredevil. We're going to get Pepper. And we get this great kind of postscript by Mark Nietzsche, who's the editor, explaining how when Tony Stark debuted in the 60s, he was not particularly likable because, you know, you had all these everyman characters like Peter Parker, and then you had Tony, who's this rich guy, uh, yeah. who's kind of a jerk. And he was kind of a jerk. And that's what they're getting back to. They said, you know, wouldn't it be interesting to bring that character into the modern day? And I also like all the little touches about this book, the way it's kind of designed like an app. The recap page is like an app page, just the way they use different yeah. art. Really cool, neat, different take on Iron Man. We'll see how long it lasts. Yeah. And I'm really digging having Tom Taylor right yeah, for us. I've been loving the stuff he's doing elsewhere, yep. and it, this is great. I want him Both these more. creators are big yeah, pickups. Yeah. Uh, Yildre Sinar actually almost reminded me a little bit of Derek Robertson yeah, in places. Yeah, a little bit of that, yeah. But very much, uh, very much his own style as well. Yes. All right, last book of the week is Thor number two, uh, written by Jason Aaron, art by Russell Dodderman, and colors by Matt Wilson. And uh, this is the first big test for uh, for Thor, the new Thor. Uh, she's got the hammer, and she is she's trying to figure out what's going on. And I love it. the 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 idea is that she's talking to herself, like she's thinking in her you know in her mind as you do uh, normally, but uh, she's speaking out loud with the cadence and the style of an Asgardian yeah. of Thor, uh, which makes it really funny. Uh, we get to see a, a kind of cool take on how Mjolnir works and working, you know, how she's using it uh, to, to figure out... It know. does sound effects, too, the way uh, Dutterman works oh, yeah. the sound effects and into it, the background. And that's an that. all over the book. I mean, there's tons of that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. Uh, so she, she goes to... Uh, we saw last issue... Uh, the you know the unworthy Thor was trying to take down. Uh, he he got in a tussle with uh, oh, yeah. some frost giants Frickus. and Malekith. Yeah. Uh, so Thor arrives to where this is all going on. We've got to see a bunch of Asgardians all frozen. Uh, we see the Avengers all frozen. Something's really giving them a hurting. And Russell draws the hell out of these frost yeah. giants. Uh, you got these like ice wolves or whatever they are. Uh, she goes to town she's just badass having a great time uh 
while that's all going on, it's really all about the Frost Giants and Malekith storming Roxxon Island. And that leads to all kinds of fun stuff because you got Dario Agar, who is the you know Minotaur mm -hmm. dude, uh, CEO of Roxxon, is just pure sometimes a Minotaur, evil. I believe is his caption. Yeah, sometimes a Minotaur. Yeah. Uh, and Ulick is up in there, and I love Ulick the troll. Uh, then we get Malekith. Malekith wearing Thor's severed arm, Ugh. like like a boa, yeah. like a Jesse the Body Ventura boa. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, and you know Thor. Gets involved in all this, some really fun stuff, and right at the end, uh, <laughs> it's mm. great. Uh, you know, it's going to be a, another big test for her, yeah. and fantastic. Well, I feel like we've had all this build up to having a female Thor, and all this excitement, all this hype, and then this is the issue where you finally get to meet her and like fall in love with her yeah. because of what Jason and Russell do. This is a tough week for Twim of the Week, my friend. Yep. I have so many yep. that I loved. I thought all the Avengers Now stuff was strong. Yep. Thor, Superior Iron Man, Silver Surfer was so good. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Captain Marvel. I know you would. Yeah. Which is good. Oh, I love Captain I Marvel. I that way too. Yeah. I'm going to take Spider Verse number one. Another good pick. It's just. Oh, oh, so good. There's so many good books this week. I know. I mean, there were a million books, and most of them were good. Yeah. All of them were good in their own ways. Yeah. All right. So those are our Those are our twins of yeah. the week. Picking them and picking them hard. Mr. Mr. Uh, Lopez, do you have a pick? Have you read anything yet? Yeah, I read Axis and I read Hop Goblin, and they're both extremely good. But um, I'm most excited to read Miles Morales. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah, right. that was close for me. I was real high on that one. I forgot about Miles Morales. I always forget about Miles Morales. <laughs> he's, he's a good egg. He's yes. a good egg. Collections on sale this week Avengers Epic Collection, Volume 1, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, Avengers Undercover, Volume 2, Going Native, Avengers World, Volume 2, Ascension. Fantastic Four Volume. <laughs> we'll talk more about them. <laughs> Fantastic Four Volume Two, Original Sin, Marvel Masterworks, The Incredible Hulk Volume Eight. That's in hardcover. Nightcrawler Volume One, Homecoming, Original Sin, Thor and Loki: The Tenth Realm, and Thor: God of Thunder Volume Three, The Accursed. Yeah, digital comics on sale. We've got uh, everything except Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble, uh, but we also have the Amazing Spider-Man. Who am I? Infinite, Infinite digital, digital comic comics, issues yeah. nine through twelve. Yeah, I was I. Like, did we take a break there? What happens? It felt like that ended, but I guess there's more. We got more. Also on the app this week, we got Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, uh, oh go on. remind that there's the new Captain America Infinite Comic still out there. Still out there. So you guys can, you know, if you're reading uh, all new Captain America number one, Captain America and the Mighty Avengers number one, you should definitely check out the Infinite Comic. Captain America, fear him is the name yeah. of the Infinite Comic. Also on sale on the app, Amazing Spider-Man Original Series, number 68 through 74 and 78. So I feel like that's got to be filling in some of the final gaps there of those first 100 issues of Amazing. Avengers, 345 through 364. And Marvel Superheroes from 1967, number 14. Boy. Yeah. Collections, we got Avengers Undercover, Volume 2, Going Native. Avengers World, Volume 2, Ascension. This all feels familiar. Uh, no, wait. Avengers Absolute Vision, Book 1. Dokken, Dark Wolverine, No More Heroes, Daredevil, Shadowland, Daredevil, The Devil's Hand, Fantastic Four, Volume 2, Original Sin, Fear Itself, Hulk, Dracula, Fear Itself, The Fearless, House of M, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Nightcrawler, Volume 1, Homecoming, and Original Sin, Thor and Loki, The Tenth Realm. All right. Freshly digitized onto Marvel Unlimited, we've got all-new Duke, number two, all-new Ghost Rider, number three, all-new Ultimates, number two, all-new X-Men, number 27, Avengers 29, Avengers Undercover, number four, Captain America, number 20, 
Captain Marvel number three, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu number one, definitely read that one, Deadpool number 28, Fantastic Four number four, Iron Man number 25, Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble number eight, New Avengers number 18, Nightcrawler number two, Secret Avengers number three, Wolverine number six, and X-Force number five. Woo-wee. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Speaking of a lot of stuff, we have so much news this week. Uh, just in the world of comics alone, uh, big news last week, we showed a little video that revealed Battle World, which is going to be part of Secret Wars. And in doing so, we were able to finally tell you guys all those teasers you were seeing, they are all a part of Secret Wars. Fooled you. <laughs> we are not doing 25 events next summer. Uh, a lot or of people. Well, a lot of people guessed. Uh, some people didn't. But now the fun is you guys will see how how these different uh, worlds and things tie in. Um, depending on what time you listen to this on Thursday, I will be doing a Time Runs Out chat with Tom Brevoort. Uh, read it back. That is going to have the next kind of details of the Time Runs Out storyline Avengers and how that all leads into Secret Wars and how these teasers figure in, all that stuff. This week, we announced not one but two big creators for Thor Annual. Uh, today, Tuesday, I uh, announced that Noelle Stevenson is going to be writing a story. You may know her from Lumberjanes or from her webcomic work. And then Ryan, yesterday, the news that is sweeping the nation, uh, you had an interview with our, our newest writer. Yeah, Mr. CM Punk, Phil Brooks. <laughs> Phil, as I call him. Yeah. Yep. Uh, PB. Yeah, uh, which is great. I mean... Uh, he and I chatted last week, um, which is fun because, you know, when I found out he was doing it, I was like, I need to be the first one to, mm. to do an interview because I, I know him and it's fun and, I you know, I'm, I'm happy to have him aboard. So we were just, you know, shooting the crap, having a good time, really uh, seeing what he's yeah. doing with this story. It's only 10 pages. Yeah. but The news blew up, though. It is everywhere. everywhere which so is great. People are really excited. Actually, kind of a fun fact is that Punk... His artist, Rob Guillory, who works on Chew, uh, Noel Stevenson, and then Marguerite Savage, who is drawing her book. This is the first Marvel work for all four of them. That's awesome. So four big Marvel debuts in the Thor Annual, which will be out in February, and uh, should be huge. Yeah. We'll have a lot more on it to come. Love it. Um, oh, yeah, and yesterday he said, uh, after the news broke, that his phone was, like, melting down. Yeah. He was getting so... Welcome to the big time, kid. Yeah, I was like, ha, this is how we do it. This is how we roll. Uh, we talked about Silver Surfer this week, and uh, earlier this week we debuted a exclusive Silver Surfer sketchbook, another Tim O'Shea special. Both Mike and Laura Allred showing off black and white ink pages as well as color pages and going through their process to create the look of Silver Surfer. Definitely a must-read for sure. Last week, Mark Wade talked about his upcoming S.H.I.E.L.D. series, talked about it with Jim Beard, talked about the cast, Coulson, the characters coming over from the TV show, the artists, how it ties in the Marvel Universe, showed off preview art from Carlos Pacheco, Umberto Ramos, and Alan Davis, all exclusive, all for you. All week long, we are um, commemorating Veterans Day, which, of course, in the United States is when we recognize our uh, military men and women who served. And uh, Cole Horton, new writer for us, is doing a whole series of articles on different aspects of Veterans Day from a Marvel perspective, looking at different creators uh, from the Golden Age to the Silver Age, some people who served in Vietnam to the modern day. And kind of the centerpiece of all that was on Veterans Day itself. We had a great piece by Cole uh, speaking to Neil Kirby, who is Jack Kirby's son, about his dad's military service, some really cool stories uh, directly from Jack. I uh, learned some stuff for sure. And 
even cooler than that, uh, Neil had a bunch of photos, like family photos that he gave us that we were able to show. So really need to be able to kind of uh, celebrate all our veterans, including Jack Kirby. Cole Horton sounds like an NXT wrestler. I was going to say he sounds like a uh, character from a um, Dr. Seuss book. Yeah. Either one. Horton Hears a Who is, is, is the one, is of the course, that, that I was thinking, thinking of. of. Yes, that is, yeah. yeah. So that's where I was going. But sure, NXT wrestler. Why not? Same difference. Um, last Friday, I did my first Spider-Verse scorecard, which I'm going to do every Friday, introducing the new Spider-Men and women and girls and pigs that come into Spider-Verse. And then we also debuted a new video series called Three Course Comics. A lot of fun. Also Spider-Verse related in this case. C.B. Sobolski had over Dan Slott, Nick Lowe, Sana Aminat, and he cooked for them. C.B. is both a food connoisseur and also a tremendous cook. So he walks through doing kind of theme dishes. They had Japanese take on Aunt May's wheat cakes. Yeah. So, yeah, watch that. Bummed I missed that. <laughs> that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, He invited me, and I was out of town. Mm. Oh, well. I'm sure he'll make them again. Yeah. They look decent. Uh, video game news, Spider-Girl, speaking of Spider-Verse, which we are, came to Spider-Man Unlimited, so you can now play as her. There will be a lot more Spider-Man Unlimited updates coming. Uh, I know Lorraine Sink covered that in The Watcher this week as well. X-Men Battle of the Atom, which is our card game, our battle card game. They started a new storyline. It's uh, based on the Necrotia storyline from a few years ago in the X-Books. And Marvel Puzzle Quest also debuted a new character, and that would be Mystique. Mm. Mystique. Mm. Marvel Puzzle Quest. Mm. More to come. Mm. Uh, all that's going on, and I'm sure Mark and Patrick have plenty of news that they'll deliver for sure, you. Sure, why not? Right now. Hello there, this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom and Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh with another thrilling installment of the Stromy and the Wolfman show brought to you by Stromy and the Wolfman. Of course, kicking things off, uh, Patrick, why don't you kick things off with some Gardens of the Galaxy news? Well, we've been posting some featurettes from Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy to get everyone excited for the in-home release of various formats. Coming on November 18th, Guardians of the Galaxy is available for HD digital and 3D digital download. And then on December 9th, you can pick up the 3D Blu-ray, Blu-ray, DVD, and standard definition uh, digital download. So to get you guys excited for that, we've shown you a uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff featuring James Gunn, director James Gunn, talking about the visuals of Guardians of the Galaxy and how he prepared the movie. We talked a little bit about the uh, opening scene, or really cool, just talking about the music that James Gunn used in that opening scene where Star-Lord's making his way through all these treacherous terrains. Also... We got a little behind-the-scenes look at the final confrontation between Ronan and the Guardians and how such an intense scene was able to be uh, still fun and lighthearted thanks to Chris Pratt and uh, the rest of the people on set. Coming up this week, we got tons more featurettes that you'll get a chance to see tomorrow, which will be Wednesday. You'll get to see a little bit more about Bradley Cooper voicing Rocket. Well, as, well, well I mean, if oh. you're listening to this on Thursday, it'd actually be yesterday. And if you're listening to this last Tuesday, it's a week. So let's not get into the time shift paradigm. Are you, 
Are you suggesting that time travel is possible? All I'm saying is I've seen some movies lately uh -huh. that suggest you uh -huh. can travel uh -huh. through space uh -huh. and time. Uh -huh. So who knows where you might end up if any of you have a spaceship and go into outer space. If anyone just has a spaceship just lying around. Probably. Like the Milano. Maybe you have the Milano because you're Peter Quill. Because he's in Guardians of the Galaxy, the number one movie of the year, produced by Marvel Studios, available on digital download November 9th, oh, November 18th, and Blu-ray, physical media, uh, December? December 9th. Really exciting. Wow, I was doing so well, then you completely derailed me. Good. Oh, everyone. All right, let's kick it back. Well, do you have anything? Yeah, I do. I was going to say, let's kick it back to me. We've got an all-new episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. next week. This week, we got to learn more about the alien glyphs, those strange alien symbols that Coulson has been carving in the wall. We got to, well, we got a little hint of uh, just what, what they mean, and now the race is on to sort of find it before high does. Of course, the race is also still on to find Ward, who is out there doing some no-good shenanigans. And we'll have some new clips coming up this week. We'll have some new images, tons of stuff, all coming from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all-new episode, next Tuesday, 9-8 Central, on ABC. Of course, we also had a new episode of This Week in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this week, which would be, that's why we titled it. Uh, this episode, we talked with the production designer, Gregory Melton, who, well, if you haven't seen the episode, I won't spoil anything, but there is a very key uh, model train set in this episode, this most recent episode, and we got to talk to him a little bit about how they went about designing it and just sort of overall what some of the challenges and rewards are in being production designer on a TV show where you shoot on a new set every eight days, which, as you can imagine, is sort of intense. Over in the world of Marvel's Agent Carter, we announced two new roles in the show. We cast Bridget Regan as Dottie, who is a girl from a small town in Iowa who will be moving in next door to Agent Carter. And we also cast Costa Ronin as Anton Vanko, who, of course, is the father of Ivan Vanko, who is the villain in Iron Man 2, played by Mickey Rourke. So we'll get to see a we got a little bit of Anton in Iron Man 2, I believe, in the opening scenes. But he is an old man there. We get to see him as a much younger man in Marvel's Agent Carter when it comes to ABC this January. And in fact, we also announced the premiere date for that series. It will be Tuesday, January 6th at 9, 8 central. Of course, the eight-episode Marvel's Agent Carter bridges the two halves of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s second season. 
And we also announced that Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., following the conclusion of Agent Carter, will return Tuesday, March 3rd at 9, 8 central for the second half of that season. So, mark your calendars, look ahead to that. Other news, of course, we had a live Facebook Q&A with Clark Gregg, star of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., over on the Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Facebook page. You can go and reread that. We've got a link out to it on marvel.com. Patrick here talked with Adrian Palicki, who plays Agent Bobby Morse, a.k.a. Mockingbird, in the series. We'll be getting to see a ton more of her coming up. Very exciting. And that pretty much covers everything I had, I believe. <laughs> there was an extra sound you threw in there. Yeah, I don't know. I was, I was going to say kick it over to you, but then I don't know why. There was just like a shh that <laughs> came out. Yeah, and so you just because, looked at me and because stared. I, because I knew that you were going to say something, so I just shh you like it's preemptively. A, a good old preemptive shh. Yep. All right. Well, instead, let's move on. Let's let's talk about what's going on in the world of Marvel animation. Coming up this Sunday, you're going to get to see Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash, an episode where A-Bomb takes in what he thinks is a cute, cuddly little alien friend, and Hulk's trying to get him to not bring that cool alien friend on board. But A-Bomb disregards Hulk's commands and takes this cute little alien on board, but that alien starts to replicate itself over and over and over and over and over again, and A-Bomb doesn't really know what to do with all of these uh, cute, cuddly little aliens. Following, you could always cuddle them. You could always cuddle them, but A-Bomb's got a heart of stone, much like his outer shell. I don't think that's true. I've seen the show, and that's not how I describe A-Bomb. Following Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash, we'll have a new episode of Marvel's Avengers Assemble. In this episode... Do they assemble? They assemble. And moving on, after they've assembled, Iron Man has the, uh, the Time Stone attached to his arc reactor. And that's bad, because that Time Stone starts to make Iron Man younger and younger and younger and younger until he ends up a young, very young, childlike Iron Man. And that time stone also causes things from all sorts of different time periods to come to modern-day New York City. And there may or may not be dinosaurs in this episode. So make sure you tune in to Marvel's Hulk and the Angels of Smash. will air at 8 a.m., uh, that's Eastern Time on Disney XD. Following that at 8.30 Eastern Time on Disney XD is Marvel's Avengers Assemble. And also following both of those episodes at 9 a.m., you'll be able to catch an episode of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors. So tons of fun animation. It's uh, This Sunday morning is going to be really intense. And I don't mean... Outdoor temporary domiciles. I mean, real exciting. So, intense this Sunday morning. That was a great pseudo pun using a homonym, Patrick. Well, homonym's one of my middle names, which reminds me, my other middle name is Action Man. And apparently, 
at Ben J. Morse on Twitter is not aware of what my middle name is. Uh, Somebody whose username I cannot remember at the time, I think it had squirrel in the name, tried to remind at Ben J. Morse that my middle name is Action Man with the hashtag Wolfman Action Man. But until Ben J. Morse remembers that my middle name is Action Man, I recommend you all tweet at Ben J. Morse from your own personal Twitter account with the hashtag Wolfman Action Man. And be sure to tell him how much you love the Stromy and the Wolfman show because we're here every week. So with that, we thank you all for listening. As always, we will be back with you in seven more days. Until then, we wish you a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous-er week. And yeah, say hi to the guys in New York for us. All right. All right before, you, we get, before we get into reading club, before mm-hmm. you thank them, because mm-hmm. I don't care about them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, did you watch Raw last night? I watched up until the main event. Okay. I stopped when Cena was coming out okay. and went to sleep. Do you want to know the two Survivor Series teams? Because I think they're both kind of cool. They're yes. like neat balance teams. So, as you know, it's John Cena's team against the Authority's team. Yes. If the Authority loses, they have to disband. Um, if John Cena loses, I guess nothing happens. Which seems kind of odd. He should like lose his title shot or something, right? Yeah. Like, wouldn't that make sense? Totally. There seems to be no stakes for him. I huh. don't know why the authority. I didn't even think really about that. Yeah, yeah, no. I was thinking about it last night. I was like, well, if he loses, I guess nothing happens. They just get. I guess the implication is they stay in power and will continue to punish everyone on his team. So if they don't get them out of power, they're screwed. He but should have to join the authority. Like when he joined the Nexus. I don't. I wasn't watching. Yeah. That. No. You trust me. You're better off. That was bad storyline. <laughs> so, anyways. At the end of the night, you already had Cena, Ziggler, Big Show, and Sheamus on one side. Okay. That was Team Cena with one open spot. Then going into the main event, we thought it was going to be Rollins, Kane, Mark Henry, Rusev, and Ryback. It's going to be the authorities team. But at the end of the match between Cena and Ryback, uh, Kane interfered, pissed off Ryback. They got in a fight. Ryback ended up taking out the whole authority. And so presumably... He's going to be the last member on Team Cena. However, that still leaves one spot open. Now, have you noticed, sir, during the last couple of weeks, whenever Dolph Ziggler comes out for a match, they play that creepy eyes promo. Yeah. Okay. I just assumed that was... Uh... Well, let me get to it. Mm. So the show ends with uh, Stephanie and Triple H watching on from the back as uh, Team Cena is brawling with Team Authority. Uh, and they're kind of concerned because now Ryback's on Team Cena. But Ziggler's not there. Ziggler comes flying into the room, like got chucked into the room, and then Luke Harper walks in and shakes hands with Triple H, and he was the eyes guy, but he was also like, he's after Ziggler. So I'm kind of excited. I think those are two pretty cool, kind of crazy teams. Luke Harper could murder Dolph Ziggler. I know. Uh, Dolph, he's got to be careful. I get so nervous when I watch Dolph wrestle, because... He's had concussions, and he sells so well. It's like, uh, how much of it is... Him and the WWE Doctor were the two-part guests on Jericho's podcast last week. (laughs) And number one, they're they're travel buddies, uh, Dolph and, like, the Doc, who sounds like an awesome guy, by the way. We should try to meet him. Um, But, yeah, he was just talking about his injuries. It just seems like he's just like, I'm like, yeah, it happens. And I'm like, man, don't be so cavalier. Yeah. 
Anyways, that was a little wrestling diversion, but I was just I was excited about the Survivor Series team, so, so I talk about I it. thought you were gonna tell me that the Ascension debuted last no. night because you, we mentioned it early on. I was like, wait, did they join although, Team Cena? Although a buddy of mine has said that if they don't do an NXT Survivor Series match, they're crazy. They, they should are. do like yeah. a five on five. It's on the network. Everybody's yeah. like, you know, the people who are going to watch it are probably, some of them are probably They're watching it. Well, yeah, and you got the NXT special coming up. Is like there another couple, one? Did there they is. announce Yeah. Nice. It's going to be a couple weeks after, so that would be perfect to set it up. So I, they should do that. They should definitely do yeah. an NXT versus NXT team. I saw that uh, Sami Zayn is on main event, so they're, yep. you know. <clears throat> yeah, I forget who he wrestled on main event. It's tonight, right? Oh, is he on tonight? He was on, la- he was on last week, too. He's wrestling Tyson Kidd tonight. I think he lost to Tyson Kidd last week, so hopefully he'll maybe beat Tyson Kidd yeah. tonight. I don't know. I like Tyson Kidd. Sorry, everybody tuning back in yeah, now okay. who's not a wrestling fan. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, time for this week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. Our selection was House of Hmm. That's right. It was almost Civil War, but then Alex stepped in <laughs> yeah, he's and like, said, Wait, no guys. Civil War for you guys. I know better. We had tweets <laughs> last week when you were out about the one person who's been asking us to do Civil War. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's... You know, someone's been asking us to do Civil War since we started Unlimited Reading Club. X Men First Classy. Yeah, so they were, uh, they were, they were like, "Oh, I was so close!" Damn you, Alex Lopez. Like, <laughs> he's got like five pages of tweets ready, ready to I'm go, sure. ready this to is go. Gonna be great. But yeah, we did House of M. Um, yeah, I want to talk about this for a sec because I did not really. House of M was like a weird blind spot for me, right? Yeah, because I remember it, and I know I read it, but I didn't remember, and I remember the details and everything, but I was, like, reading this, I felt like I was reading it for the first time. Yeah. I also remember at the time, I was, like, I was I just started at Wizard, um, so I was reading every company, and I wasn't necessarily strictly a Marvel guy, and I also was one of those people who was not thrilled about the changes to the Avengers, so I think I was not particularly excited about this. Um and so I, I don't know. I kind of like glazed it over, or whatever. Rereading it, I reread it over the last few days, and I was like, "Whoa, this is a really good event." Like, there's some seriously high stakes drama. The character stuff with Spidey, uh, with Wolverine, um, just the twists. Like, even reading it now, I was like, "Holy crap!" Like, I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, "This is, this is like." I I, I always kind of think this is uh, yeah. This was like Bendis's first event. He was still kind of getting the hang of things, but it was actually quite. It was really good. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying that, like, it feels, like, kind of condescending to say that. Like, yes, obviously it's good, but I really enjoyed it, and I found myself, like, rushing to get back and read the remainder of the issue. So kudos to the team behind this. But, yeah, a lot of stuff took me by surprise, and I found myself really uh, getting invested in it. And, man, the stuff that happens at the end with the mutants, like, even now knowing that that eventually went the other way, but I felt bad for Scarlet Witch. Um, I do remember the one thing that stood out to me at the time was the Quicksilver reveal. That, like, really got me, and it got me again here. Even though, again, I knew it was coming. I was just like, oh, man. I was like, for Quicksilver. That that scene um, in the issue where we find out that Quicksilver did it, where they flash back to before everything happened, and it's him and her sitting there, and him just being like, we were supposed to be heroes. Like, everything was supposed to be good. I'm like, oh, you poor character. Like, they're just such tragic characters, so... Man, yeah, totally out of nowhere how much I really, really enjoyed House of Them. Yeah, I, also huge credit to Olivier Coipel mm-hmm. uh, and the art team on this because there's just, there's a lot of double-page spreads filled with incredible detail. Yeah. It's just, 
jam-packed. And the book takes you from, you know, the regular universe uh, in, in New York to Genosha to flipping over into the, like, you know, the House of M universe with a totally different world. And he has to, like, draw and design just mutants everywhere. Mm -hmm. So they look different. There's, like, this one chubby dude who's got no legs. He looks like a ball. Uh, there's, like, I believe antenna. He's, I believe he's called the ball. The ball. Yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of no. stuff throughout it. Uh, he has to draw all kinds of new tech and outfits. and just These sentinels are oh, amazing. Oh, man, those sentinels I wish all great. sentinels looked like that. House of M sentinels. Yeah. That's how it should be. Those are great. Uh, but it's, it's gorgeous top to bottom. And there's, you know, it's really interesting how this fits into, you know, the, the time, like mm -hmm. you were saying, the uh, Astonishing X-Men was still something that was new and, and like people were super excited about Joss right. Whedon and John Cassidy on X-Men doing this great new story and taking a different tactic with these characters. And while that's going on, uh, the new Avengers are, you know, just a short few months into it. Yeah. Uh, and, and like that's a totally different way to, to do the Avengers. You've got, this is still in the beginning, the first like, Eight months of Captain America by Brew Baker. Right. Um, what else? Daredevil is still Bendis, I think. Yeah. Who? Else? What? What else is going on at this time? Uh, Spidey's still JMS. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, all those Avengers yeah, there, books there's relaunched. Just, like, there's a lot of like fresh, new, like right. cool stuff. A lot of stuff we, a lot of this is familiar to us now is just starting out. Yeah. And you know, another thing that really stood out to me is that characters who are now were like, oh, yeah, they're firmly back in the Marvel Universe. They're fairly A-list now. At the time, characters like Iron Fist and Moon Knight. Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel and Falcon. Yeah. Like, them showing up in this event was like, oh, holy crap, where have they been for the past 15 years? Yeah. Now we're just like, oh, yeah, Moon Knight, Iron Fist. They're yeah. always in everything. Cloak has got this huge yeah. part to play. Yeah. And, um... Layla Miller getting introduced. Yeah. That was kind of out there. Yeah. And then which, uh, she immediately went over to X Factor after this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's just so many things and so incredible. Right. I was surprised how much I really loved it. And the biggest, maybe the biggest thing for me reading it now was Spider-Man. Mm, yeah. And the me most too. impactful me too, sure. thing was, so, you know, they flip this world and everybody gets what they desire. Mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. And Peter Parker gets Gwen Stacy, he gets Uncle Ben, he gets Aunt May, he gets a child, he gets a family, he gets yep. celeb a career, he gets. He doesn't worry about making rent, he doesn't yep. have to worry about his sick aunt, He's everything's going great for him, and you, you get this little spark of that, yeah. and then everything, like it, his eyes are open to what is really going on, and it's just, just, the, the sadness, mm -hmm. Bendis does such a great job, and uh, Quapel does a great job of, of the, the, they tell, you know, they really depict right. Spidey's uh, just grief yeah. and, and just horror and, and sadness. Just, it's, it hit me really hard. Well, it's funny. We were talking earlier about, like, Spidey's front and center and axis, but this was really the first event. In previous events, he'd always been kind of kept off to the side. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was kind of a thing with Marvel events. I mean, he was in Secret Wars, obviously, but, yeah. you know, the 90s events and stuff like that, it was always kind of like, all right, the, the heavy hitters are front and center, and characters like Spider-Man kind of have their role to play off in the background. And this, I think, really showed the value of having him be a major part because he feels so much. Like someone like Wolverine, 
isn't necessarily going to it's not going to hit him as hard well although it does it does but but he bounces back and he moves forward right with spidey it's like number one that double page spread club hell does of all the horrible things that happen to him and you realize he's reliving these all at once and then even later after everything's back to normal he wakes up next to mary jane and he just feels terrible because he now knows that whether it's like deep in his subconscious or whatever this is not what he wants he wants to be with gun stacy which is would you, would you like to talk into the... <laughs> would you like to be part of the show, Alex? When he yells at Doctor Strange, like, rip out the memories, you know? Yeah, and he's, like, he's smashing yeah. the table, and Tony's like, what the hell? And Luke Cage <laughs> is like, don't worry about it. Yeah. He needs to do... It, like, he just has to get through this. Oh, man. Yeah. That was intense, and... Oof. Yeah, and I think this was... If it wasn't Quapel's first Marvel work, it was really early on. I don't yeah. know what he'd done before this, but for, for us. For us? I don't think he'd done anything. Gosh, I don't know. I think he had just come over from the other company yeah. and was handed a big event and knocked it out of the damn park. Damn good. Damn good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Wolverine, uh, I think, is a really great choice for being like our our anchor character yep. for most of, most of the book because, like, he wakes up and he's like, just like you're in the city. You you feel like what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. And you feel like he's just running and he's going <laughs> and he's trying to figure out what's going on and. You see all the things that he's, you know, cultivated his life, and there's a great line like, "What did you want to be?" He's like, I, "Apparently, I wanted to be Nick Fury." Yeah, that was uh, pretty good. Which is great. Um, yeah, there, and then I mean, the big status quo changes across the board for for a lot of stuff. You've got Wolverine remembering his history, so mm-hmm. that set off a whole new story. We had Wolverine Origins came out of this. Yep. Uh, so that happened. What else did we get? Um, obviously, no more mutants. Right. We got that. We got, um, yeah, so a whole new, whole new status quo for the X-Men. Um, if you remember, this is where Miss Marvel kind of got back in the mix and decided to be like an A-level superhero right. she, again. Right. She looked at herself. She was like, well, I was, I, could be doing better. So I was doing so much more. Mm-hmm. I'm going to step it up. And that was really the first part of her becoming Captain I mean, Marvel. You can, you can trace I think that she, wasn't to she, right now. I think she was Captain Marvel in House of M, yeah, wasn't she? Was. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of interesting that she bounced back to Miss Marvel after that. You yeah. almost think she would have become Captain Marvel there. But, well, I guess Genus was still We still had at that point. either Genus and there were other planets. And it does, it's fine. Yeah, and it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a lot of stuff came out of this. Layla Miller, like I said, the X-Factor stuff. Another thing that came out of this was, I think this was the first time Bendis really got to write the X-Men. And in retrospect, knowing now that he's the X-Men writer, he's so comfortable, it was kind of interesting to see him writing, like, Cyclops' big speech or writing Emma. I uh, loved his Cyclops in this. Yeah, like, there's I did the too. point where, oh, and Emma, and, like, they, they get Emma, and she's so pissed off, so and mad. she's like, I'm going to kill him. Mm. And then Scott comes home, yeah. and she's like, Hang out, calm down, and they zap him, and then immediately he's like, "All right, he's Back like to pulling business. his tie off." <laughs> well, he's like, "Let's get down." Yeah, and do it this. was interesting to see Bendis write not like pariah, everyone hates him, Cyclops, yeah. so much as I'm the most respected guy besides Captain America. Let's get down to business. Everyone's gonna listen to me because I'm the leader, Cyclops. Yeah, I've been leading for twenty years. Exactly. It maybe actually made me miss him a little. Yeah. Like as much as I love today's Cyclops, he's so complex. I thought I was like, "Oh man, Cyclops used to be." So, he, he was the X-Men's Captain America, yeah. and now he's the X-Men's... Captain America. Yeah. Oh, That's man. nice, though. I kind of like that. But, I mean, if you're just reading the, the main the book... The main book? Yeah, I guess you don't You know. get a sense of, like, this old man who is, you know, like, but, 80s, and he's, he's yeah. old, and, it, like, they just leave him alone. I, well, I kind of like that moment, though, where they're just like, you know what, just leave him alone. Just let, let him be. Yeah. Like, don't put him through this. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I remember Brubaker did a great tie-in issue, though, in Cap, which showed him. There, I mean, there was a lot of great tie-in issues for House of M, yeah. which we could revisit this down the line. But. Yeah. A lot going on. Very good. If you have not read House of M in years, uh, you should reassess it. But it's it really seems good. like many of you jumped right in because uh, we got a whole lot of we stuff lot of going pages. on. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, well, the first one's a trick. Because I've seen people do this. They'll put in the Tumi URC when it's not Tumi URC just because they want us to read their comment. All right. So Bob Moriarty <laughs> says he'd love a list of books that had digital codes that unlock infinite comics or collections. Uh, doable, awesome if it happens. Oh, yes, we've we've already been doing this. Yeah. Uh, the season one graphic novels I think came with digital codes to unlock their collections. Uh, some a of lot, the hardcovers, yeah, a lot of hardcovers. Uh, some Omnibuy, I believe, um, and then the uh, Avengers versus X Men issues that had Infinite Comics. The digital codes unlocked a bunch of Infinite Comics there. So mm -hmm. yeah, we've been doing that. It's not out of the question, but you know. It's a case-by-case -case basis. DJ Fanko says, I love House of M. It was the beginning of an amazing period for Marvel storytelling. Right, I think that's kind of what we just touched on, was a lot of stuff kicked off out of this. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Gambit has his great moment. Where Miss Marvel uh, busts Oh, out. yeah. You would love so that. Good. He yeah. just gets just <laughs> right. beat up. Uh, Shows up for two seconds, gets beat up, and he's, he's done. Yeah. He's <laughs> done. Don says, uh, reading House of M again is almost as good as the first time. Right? The big reveals in issue seven were amazing. No. Astonishing. <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> he said, Asad Rabik's House of M covers have yeah. a haunting look to them that mirrors the characters' lives. Yeah, there's, like, the eight covers that Asad does is, like, it's a portent of how mm -hmm. important he becomes to the Marvel Universe down the line. Right. It's just is, as an artist. This is one of his first deals, yeah. too. This is, just, this is a really formative a formative deal. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Uh, Don says, does Aurora wear Janet Van Dyne's design? Her entrance at the House of M party is... Unclear. Uh, I'm pretty sure she does not. Yeah, I think it was like a green jacket. No, I think she. I think she goes with something else. And I'm gonna guess that she has multiple outfits for this event. That's true. You know, she, she may do a few wardrobe changes. Comes in in you know some regalia, then she That's changes true. to something like this, which we'll is probably it. better for dancing or you, just hanging out at a, at a the cocktail party or whatever. So. That's right. You 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 are much more versed in you yeah. know the formal attire. I, I get it. I know. Uh, Don says, uh, while House of M had a fantastic story, I also love the Secret Invasion flashbacks in New Avengers. That's right, because as we learned in Secret Invasion, the Spider-Woman in the story is a scroll, and we get her kind of flashback, which was interesting to me reading this, because Spider-Woman's one moment is where she's kind of like, hey guys, maybe we should leave the world alone. Yeah. And I wondered, I was like, did he know back then? He must have. He had to, he he had to know she was, was a scroll. He was planning for a long, yeah. long time. So that's kind and of that, looking you know, back that, in retrospect. That started, what, like issues in the 20s or 30s? Yes. For... For New Avengers. Yeah, but he had the, I mean, in the first few issues, where it's the whole who hired Electro deal. Right. And we knew that that eventually ended up being mm. a scroll. So, yeah, that was that was cool. I agree. Handsome Mole Man. Have we had Handsome Mole Man I don't before? know, but. That's a great name. It is. Um, huh. Did the invaders exist in this continuity? Good question. I don't know that. Well, what was the inciting incident? It would be World War II. Um, it's Where the next page. I think, yeah. It's over here. You're, you're flipping back and forth between two no, pages. Wait, did I screw up? Yeah, I think you Okay, so we'll get to that <laughs> in a sec. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. A, someone else's question. <laughs> it's a mole man. Uh, looking at the House of M hardcover, who is the mustache guy behind Bishop? I've had this book for years and I have no idea. That is Forge. Duh. Yeah. Obviously. 
boring what, boring costume. What version is this that has Forge on there? Yeah. It, who's that next one? White Tiger? That's White Tiger, Moon Knight, Mystique, Cannonball. All the hits. Not even in their costumes that you see them in, in the book. I know. It's weird. Uh, this was like, uh, I think this was just a trade cover. Yeah, this is a hard to cover. Yeah. Because I look it up. You don't get to see it. Yeah. All right, Joey C., Professor Ware. Now I'm going to say your stuff. Time for House of Number Twin URC. Looking forward to some Captain Marvel moments. Absolutely. Kitty and Professor X moments will never not be cute. I love how sassy the Avengers look chilling in the tower. There's also, like, in the, yeah, in the beginning where they're gathering mm -hmm. and stuff, there's a shot where Cap is, like, leaning yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, on yeah. a chair. And just chill guy. draws him as just this massive, amazing, towering presence. Yeah. But he's also got, like, this look on his face that's very welcoming. Yeah. It's really subtle, but it's I thought it was fantastic. That was a good Cap. I do remember at the time, and still stuck with me today, that um, a lot of people wondered what Luke Cage had on his head in those scenes. Because it looks like a Chinese takeout box. <laughs> and it still does. Um, that has not aged. Um, the world building here is fantastic. I'm getting a feel for this new reality in just a few frames. Carol Danvers, most popular superhero in America, as it should be. Hashtag Carol Corps. Yeah. It's a sign of things to come. All right. Now, where I was before. Huh. Did the invaders exist in this continuity? I don't know. Wow. Uh, there were a lot of follow-up books. Remember, Christos Gage did a whole bunch of like House of Them follow-ups, yeah. which didn't answer this. But uh, if you enjoyed this, you should definitely track down he was like House of M Avengers. He did House of M Civil War. They're all really good. Oh, God. Whose idea was it to put both of Marvel's Dr. Henry's under the same roof? Really upset about this, apparently, yeah. that, that Pym and McCoy were working together in I love that. House of M first. That was a really sad moment, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was super sad when, when Beast essentially tells Hank Pym, like, look, dude. Humans are dying. Yeah, humans are dying <laughs> off. Just, yeah. I, I like you. You're but a good deal, guy. Yeah, Let's I like with you, lunch. but deal with it. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> Um, I seriously love how Carol is Captain Marvel in this continuity. Hashtag Carol Carr. Otto Octavius is a bioethicist. I have serious problems with that. <laughs> it's House of M, man. Up is down, left mm. is right. Clint Barton. We didn't even talk about Hawkeye. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. We didn't even talk about Hawkeye. And how, for <laughs> someone who was a fan of Hawkeye, like I was, and had been devastated that he got killed off. I mean, I know this is Bendis immediately realizing his mistake and, like, bringing him back. But his... Everything in this book, from him showing up to... And that was the infamous Bendis saying that um, Hawkeye showing up would break the internet in half. Do you remember that? No. Bendis said, I forget it was a convention or something, he just goes, the last page of issue three will break the internet in half. And that, everyone uses that expression now. Nice. But it was in reference to Hawkeye showing up. But I, yeah, man. I think, story. you know what? It's interesting, though. Had Hawkeye not been killed... I don't think people would care about him Agreed. as much as they do now. Absolutely. They, I think they took him away. I didn't really care about him before that, but I I can remember the scene of his death mm -hmm. in Avengers where and he's like not like this and yep. then boom blows up and, and all that stuff and you're like, "Whoa." And then him coming back here had yeah, so much he's an more of an impact. Yeah, yeah. like mm -hmm. elevated him immediately. Right. He comes out of it the you know, they they give him a coda at the end. Like it's yeah. really important for that character and that that arc does so much more for him than you right. would have had without it. And uh, Brevoort talks about that when we had him on for Avengers Disassembled. When we did, he said he's like, you know, everyone was upset about killing Hawkeye, but at the same time, you know, who who cared about Hawkeye before we killed him? Yeah, fair point. The shield of this reality seems like the X Force of the main reality, which makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, it's Wolverine Shield basically. Yeah. Uh, I think Baby Billy Kaplan just killed Clint Barton again. Oh man. So yeah, the the Wanda's kids always sad. 
Uh, take five, Peter. Well, I, Go I, on. I do, I, and I really love the way they uh, depict like Wanda's mm-hmm. like her powers, her her, her powers, the building blocks like, stuff. Yeah, yeah, she's just that was a really cool idea. The blocks of reality. Yeah, I actually, I, I wish more people used that. I yeah. thought that was a cool idea that they don't always use. Um, and I know Joe used that on one of the yeah. Has It Uncovers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, take five, Peter. Clear your head. You lived a life apart, and that's found to be emotionally taxing. So, you know, giving Peter a little break here. Yeah. A little town. It's a quiet village. Every day, like the one before. A little town of little people. What I'm saying is that Wanda is Belle from Beauty and the Beast. So I guess those are lyrics oh. to a Beauty and the Beast song. Okay. I think it was the beginning of Beauty and the Beast. Well, that would make, yeah, that would make <laughs> sense. <laughs> Let's go with yes. <laughs> and that... Was House of M. <laughs> right on. John Dave McCusker says, uh, House of M tw- for Twim URC? Aye, that'll do. Aye. Uh, and he, he says to Ref Gamlin, most definitive comic storyline end quote of the decade? Hashtag hmm. no more mutants. That quote was big. Um, I would think Civil War challenged it not long after. But is whose side are you on remembered more or less than no more mutants? I think people remember who no do more you, mutants. Was more. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Secret Avenger. No more. No more mutants may yeah. well be the the quote of the decade, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. I do. I do think that reverberates more than any of the other ones. Yeah. yeah. Kyle Charles says, "Time to read House of M." I remember my younger brother randomly buying this for me because mm. he went to a comic book store back in 2005. Favorite part of issue one is when Quicksilver is talking so fast. Yes, thank yeah, you. That I was great. forgot about that. that Matt, yeah, there's that one panel where he's yelling so fast, yeah. and Nito's just like they do. Petro. They like you know they <laughs> draw him in 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 motion. Yeah. And and yeah, Magneto's like I can't hear you when you're yelling so. Yeah. I thought that was really great. Something yeah. I don't I don't think we've ever seen before that. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention out of this also comes. I know it didn't last, but uh, Quicksilver's new new role where he didn't have powers and he. Kind of became a villain, and yeah. he was messing with the Inhumans and all that. Son of M is a great limited series. Son of series. M is a great limited series. Yep. Uh, Kyle says, "I bet Ryan loved seeing mm-hmm. Gambit getting his butt kicked by Ms. Marvel, it's even Captain if it Marvel, isn't actually. Uh, an alternate dimension." And yes, that does have to be like a, like an all timer for you. Yeah, I mean that's like my one, one, one of my favorite favorites. characters, just laying out yeah. one of my least favorites. It's it's great. And Gambit was such an afterthought in this book, but <sighs> I love it as he should be. Hmm. There, uh, yeah. Kyle says, I remember a lot of people moaning about Logan getting his memories back, but I really liked it. I thought it was a, it, you, we had done so much with the character, what else could we do? This was something we could do. Yeah. And then we could kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle says, seeing Cap as an old man is pretty sad. I always wondered, was, uh, what was he doing at the start of issue two? Where was he going? Didn't he just like going to the store or something? Probably. I think he was just doing like old man stuff. Yeah. You know, just running errands. Mm, that is sad. Uh, Kyle says, only just noticed the Shang-Chi reference in the newspaper 10 years too late. Better late than never. What was the reference? It's just there's a little reference to Shang-Chi and another guy got arrested. Okay. Um, him and Raphael Vega, who I don't know who that is. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I remember I that. That's, I was like, that's, and a, the, that's also a character. Those pages were drawn by Mike, Mike Mayhew. Mayhew. Yeah, the Which little like, pulse in Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. Uh, totally forgot this was the first appearance of Layla Miller. He says, I totally felt sorry for Peter when he found out that he was living a lie. He can never catch a break. That old Parker luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I loved when you found out that Magneto wasn't the mastermind right. behind the House of M, yet no one said sorry to him. Poor <laughs> Magnus. Not only did no one say sorry to him, like Wolverine straight up tried to kill him. And at the end, he's like, you know what? Screw you. Yeah. You're better off alive without your power, yeah. you piece of crap. And yeah. he walks away. Yeah. Like, say, we'll say hi to your kids for you, jerk. Yeah. It's like, damn. Yeah, that was harsh. That was harsh. That was harsh. Uh, he says, but Magneto didn't have to throw huge chunks of metal at him. A bit over the top, Magnus. Yeah. yeah. 
Was there an editorial reason behind getting rid of 98% of the mutant population? I would love to know the reason why. That was a Joe Q thing. He thought that part of what made mutants special and cool was that they were an oppressed minority. There weren't so many of them. And he felt that one of the a great story to tell would be because by the time we got to 2005, there were mutants everywhere. There were thousands of mutants. So he said, you know what? If we make mutants an actual minority in the Marvel Universe again, that will lend some more weight and gave us a great story to tell for quite a few years afterwards. Yeah. Uh, also, were Peter and Mary Jane going through a rough patch during this time? I think they had just gotten over their rough patch. Yeah. Remember I, they were apart for a while and they finally got back together. And yeah. This is and right I think front. he, you maybe get that sense because he's so distraught, distraught and distracted yeah. right there. Yeah. Uh, he says, I remember nearly crying when I thought Iceman lost his oh, power. Oh, I was so upset because I was like, they need to, they're going to take it away from someone major. And Iceman was my favorite X Man. But then is he got this it back. the like end a, of yeah. Iceman? I don't, that was a great line. He's like, is this the end of the Iceman? Like, what? Who talks like that? He got it back like three months later. That was like the quickest turnaround. Yeah. Uh, he says, Spidey wanted to have his memory erased. Is that foreshadowing something? Mm. Yeah. No. no. But it's uh, kind of interesting. Seeing all the kids of the X Men team getting depowered made me sad, as I know what happens to uh, them next. Boom bust. They actually show Stryker yeah. the panel here, so this actually but set up new X-Men as well. I, uh, that was terrific. Yeah. And like Cap's like, turn this up. Oh, God. Turn, turn, no, turn not, down, turn not down. this guy. These, these guys are the worst. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> where are we? Uh, personally, I think House of M still holds up for 10 years, and it had a huge impact on Marvel as it led to events like Messiah Complex, mm -hmm. Second Coming, Schism, Secret Invasion, Siege, and AVX. Agreed. Yep. Just because of three simple words, no more mutants. Also, it introduced me to Brian Michael Bendis and the amazing Olivier Coipel, two of my favorite people in comics. Nice. Very cool. Michael Alexander, reading House of M. That is his only tweet. Well, I hope you we like it, We appreciate it, though. Uh, Penelope Cat, don't think I ever read all of House of M. It's starting to appear where I was being a comic snob and poo-pooed crossovers. Well, this is actually the first Marvel crossover in a while. That's something else we didn't really mention. Was it really? I think so. I mean, you had stuff like, I think the last one before this was like Maximum Security at the end of the 90s. Wow. Because after that, you just had like themes, like you had, um, you know, enough said and stuff like that. But there was there was that period where everyone was kind of off doing their own thing. You know, like Morrison's writing the X Men, and the Avengers were over here. Like, True. there weren't any big crossover events. Oh. I think this is the first one, in like a five year period or something. Well, disassembled sort of. Disassembled. Even that that was an Avengers crossover. I'm right. saying like something that affected the whole line, Fair. like an event. Yep. Uh, the younger me ate up crossovers with a spoon, and the me of now enjoys any fun story. The me in between had some growing up to do. It's life. Issue one. Between the script and recap page, I feel like I have enough context to enjoy the story. Always a good start. Carol Danvers wasn't necessarily going by Miss Marvel at this point. What name was she using? Binary? She was Warbird. Warbird, yeah. She had come off years being Warbird. My intro to the Scarlet Witch was the Mantlo Leonardi mini. I felt for her then. Seeing her here is heartbreaking. Interesting. I guess, so I guess, was that the Vision in Scarlet Witch? I don't know. Who knows? But I want to see Rick Leonardi draw yeah, everything. No kidding. I say it's heartbreaking, but that's because Bendis and Quapel do such a great job of showing Wanda's emotional turmoil. I sympathize with the discussions about what to do with Wanda. I don't know what the right answer would be either. Yeah. Yeah, it was such a long redemption arc for her. I'm glad we finally got there eventually. Love the subtlety of the last panel with just a glimpse of Peter's blonde wife instead of a redhead. Seriously, lousy work Wi-Fi? I want to know what happens next now. Load! <laughs> we go on to issue two. Steve's face on that first spread is so you kids get off my lawn, or is he crankshaft the bus driver? I think this preceded, uh, this definitely preceded Gran Torino. 
which is you kids get off my lawn. I'm, you're just staring at me blankly, so I'm going to keep going. I think yeah. telling kids to get off a lawn is no. pretty timeless. No, not until Gran Torino. Gran Torino came out like 2008 or seven. I'm yeah. sure. But yeah, no, people definitely have been saying that for <laughs> since since time immemorial. Yeah. Uh, Carol Danvers, most popular hero in America. She will be once her movie comes out. <laughs> I can't remember. Were Storm and Black Panther married at this point? And I can't tell who Doctor Strange's patient Robert is. They were not. Well, they were not, and Robert is Sentry. Sentry. Who I don't, he doesn't get pulled back in, does he? He just shows up there. Pulled back in, to, oh, like he doesn't get yeah, his, he doesn't get Layla Miller. Yeah, at the end, he's also like he's Cap and, and right. Tony, which is weird because I don't remember why Tony don't doesn't remember. Uh, they didn't pull Tony in either. They didn't. No, I thought they. No, they don't. They don't grab him. I thought in the middle they were like Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark, like somewhere in the, one of the middle issues, and then they his eyes turn green and nothing else happens. I thought so because hmm. I don't know. Because he's not there in the fight at the end. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They might have thought he was like not really useful because I don't think he was. He wasn't. Well, I think they do say if you were, you know, only the people at the fight at the. Big You're right. Event he was the there. End. He was talking to Clint. Yeah. He probably didn't yeah. go to battle. Okay. But for some reason he doesn't go. So yeah. yeah he he was probably there, didn't have the Iron Man armor. I guess. I don't know. That is interesting. That's a neat little yeah. slip. Issue four, I'd forgotten Hawkeye was still dead at this point. That changes his reappearance in issue three a little. It's funny to think that he was dead at one point and like had this whole crazy comeback because he's like the everyman yeah. character now. But it just shows you Marvel Universe, man. I gotta admit, six issues in, I'm not sure of the specifics of how this world came to be. Well, give it a second. Uh, if it's Xavier's telepathy responsible, is it just in everyone's head? How does telepathy change history? Confused. Issue seven. And right after that last tweet, I now see that Wanda's hex powers have a lot to do with it. I'm a dummy. No, you're nah, not. Just you're just going along. We appreciate you tweeting along. Overall, House of M was a fun story with some great character moments. I particularly felt for Peter Parker and Wanda. On its own, it felt like the world could have been more fully developed, but that happens in the tie-in miniseries, I suppose. At the time, stuff like Magneto losing his powers, Peter remembering M. Gwen and No More Mutants must have had a big impact. It did. With the hindsight of 10-plus years of comics undoing a lot of changes, what really sticks with me reading now are the character bits. Regardless of how things ultimately turned out, I still feel for the dilemma of what to do about Wanda. I feel for Peter's loss. I also feel for Quapel having to draw alternate versions of so many characters while still keeping them recognizable. The it's master. also got to be kind of fun, though, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting. We could say undoing the changes, but it's... It, I don't look at them like that. I think no. you're telling stories. So right, we've got to tell ten years of stories with a lot of these yeah, things, and, and are still telling. Some. Things go one way, they go another. They're probably going to go another way again. It's okay. It's yep. just telling stories, and I uh, less focus on the changes, but and like you say, more focus on the characters and their arcs and right. what happens. We got a lot of mileage out of House of Them. Yeah, let's put it that way. Ronaldo Gizmundo says mm. Quapel would have to be one of my faves, reminiscent of Sylvest uh, Mark Silvestri art as well. Yeah, storyboard master hashtag. Yep, yep, it's my real name. That's great. It's a good name. Good name. I like Be proud it. of it. Raph AB says House of M for Twim URC. Got the French version at home. <laughs> as usual, I'm pretty sure things are going to get lost in the translation. Can't wait. Fun fact: the way Panini Comics translated "No More Mutants" can also be read as the translation of "More Mutant." Ha uh, hashtag thin line. That'd be great if everyone became a mutant. Yeah, everybody's yeah. mutant. Yeah. Uh, when I first read House of M, I wasn't able to name half the characters in the book. I just knew the X-Men and Spider-Man. How far you've come. Yeah. Love the page where Layla gives Emma her memories back. Gorgeous art by Olivier Quapel. Yeah. All those memory comeback pages were really cool. Yeah. I will say, you know, someone only knowing X-Men and Spider-Man. That's a really interesting thing to think about mm -hmm. because this is before Iron Man movie comes of out. Of course, yeah. Before the Avengers yep. 
are you know we were elevating the Avengers in the comics with with the, the refresh and but the also new if you think about it New Avengers was Spider Man Wolverine like it wasn't Thor wasn't in the book right. you know like yeah. it's uh, yeah this was a Thor very... wasn't around yeah Thor that's was true dead. Thor's not even in this yeah uh, Ragnarok had happened there was no Thor yeah. this was a very pre Marvel Studios event yeah. And it's you know, and but you look at years uh, Thor was gone. But look at a, a lot of it, like we've said before. Look at the characters mm-hmm. who are you know here yep. and how important they are now. It's it's great. Yeah. Um, he says so. House of M. Carol Danvers was Captain Marvel before her classic counterpart. How many years was that too? Because that was two thousand five, and she didn't become Captain Marvel till like twelve. It was like seven years yeah. before we thought to do that. Yep. Whoops. Oh, well. I <laughs> uh, love the Ralph Macchio reference in the newspaper Wolverine is reading. That's Ralph the comic book editor, say, the editor, not, not Ralph the karate, karate kid. kid. Yeah. And uh, he says, bravo to Olivier for drawing a Paris scene without using the Eiffel Tower. Hashtag no more cliches. Ooh. <laughs> I want to see the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. why, why, it's why the Eiffel Tower. You like We it. always show the Statue of Liberty in New York scenes. We're not yeah. bitter about that. Thomas Smith, so if Scarlet Witch can just flat out change reality, how does anyone beat her ever? Well, uh, she, has a, she has a tenuous grasp on, yeah. she can't control her powers very well, so exactly. it's not like she could just go, no. Yeah, you basically, it, for her to not be doing this uh, takes a lot of effort. For her to focus her powers, like, basically powers her down. And also, she's had a lot of stuff to her done over the years since this story that kind of, like, tamped her down and brought her back under control. Um, actually, people should read Avengers of the Children's Crusade, which is kind of the bookend to this story, where yeah. we find out a lot of stuff that happened with her. Will Blatman, Wookie Will. Yay, Twim URC is on a book I actually own, so I can actually tweet in. I can also use Marvel Unlimited. Just Marvel Unlimited. It's the whole point of this. It is a very affordable platform. You're in Michigan. Nine ninety nine a month. It is, literally. I, I'm aware. Okay. It's actually cheaper if you subscribe for a whole year. <laughs> House of M is an amazing book. I list as a must-read for X fans. I love that the events of this book still play a huge role in comics now. No more mutants. Such a huge change for X books. So if this story was to happen now with Wolverine dead, who do you think would be the lead? I would love to see Quentin or Rachel. Nope. Wouldn't be either of them. No. Who? It would, uh... Hmm. It would be anyone. Would we still be stuck in House of M? Yeah. Because Wolverine is the key to all of it. Who else would make a wish that would give them all their memories back? There, yeah. Wolverine is the only person this can work with, really. I mean, I guess it could be another Weapon X person, like Sabretooth or something, but I don't think I don't think Sabretooth's dream is to have all his memories back. Yeah. So Wolverine is crucial to this story. Crucial, I say. Mm-hmm. X-Men First Classy, uh, yes. Arg, Civil <laughs> War was in my grasp for Tumi RC, which I've been almost begging for since we started, and it's gone. And finally, Yogev. I haven't read many Marvel events, but so far, House of M is my favorite. Thank you. How did the mutants come back after this? Uh, we will direct you, rather than telling you, we'll direct you to Avengers versus X-Men some six years later. Yep. We would uh, we would get the we would get the return of the mutants yeah. in Avengers versus X-Men. Yeah. But there's I mean, coming out of this, you can read so many things. You yep. can read uh, Son of M, you could read uh, X-Men 198. Yep. You can read uh, what was the name of the Bishop book? Or District X. Oh, yeah, District X came uh, out of this. X Factor comes out of the Madrox Limited, probably happens around the same time. It was and a little before. A little bit before, and then X Factor starts up. Which is again. another one we should read sometime, Madrox. Yeah, I was, Put that I was in the thinking hopper. about that. Put that in the hopper. It's in the hopper. In the hopper. But for next time, 
as we continue with these Secret Wars teasers. Am I, for a bit. Am I picking or no, you I'm picking? A, you picked last time, and then Alex stole my pick. Oh, this okay. Is, this is, this is my I pick. had three possible three? choices. But no, no, you go. Oh, you no. Go. Are you sure? Yeah. All right, keep those, keep those in mind. I will try. We'll get back I've to already them. forgotten one of okay, them. Okay, fair enough. Uh, next time, to switch the characters a little bit, I was looking over what we had. You know, we covered a lot. We covered a lot of characters. Some we haven't covered in a while is Iron Man. Mm. So we'll read Armor Wars. Mm, I knew you were going to go there. There you go. Yep. Armor Wars, cue it up. Little different era, too. So I think that'll be fun. Vastly different eras. I think Tony's going to have ridiculous hair. He does. In this. Yeah. He does. He certainly does. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was so checking to make sure all the books were on Unlimited. I got a glimpse. Nice. All right, cool. Thank you, guys. Uh, really excited that you, you got into this and, and dug it. And uh, we'll be back next week um, with regular episodes. Just, just normal episodes. Rolling hey, those on. are fun. Yeah, I, I saw some of the tweets come in for next week, and it's going to be a hoot nanny. Hoot nanny. <laughs> hoot nanny. This is Marvel, your hoot nanny.